welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to the After Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. We return to focus on our series of podcasts and are joined by Andy Bridge, a current deputy head teacher, and Debbie Davis, head teacher of an independent special school and experienced SENCO. Last week, we focused on awareness and support for visually impaired students. We will focus on learners with a hearing impairment and aim to heighten our awareness of this specific learning difficulty, taking a look at support that is available there. So, Andy, what are we talking about when we use the term hearing impaired? Morning, Georgie. Um, yeah, do you know, it's an interesting term um, because there's a few different definitions of it and the use of it has changed over time. Um, and some people consider the term outdated. Um, some legislation uses it, some doesn't. So it can be a bit of a slightly controversial term. Um, so in terms of definition, um, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act uses hearing impairment as a technical term to classify any child that's got some form of hearing loss. So that act um, basically says it's it's applied for any child where there's any kind of decrease in hearing, whether that's temporary, whether it's permanent, and um, you know if it interferes with a child's ability to perform um, at the same standards as their peers in an educational setting, but it excludes the term deafness. Um, deafness, it says, is when the hearing loss is so severe it impairs the processing of language um, and usually needs the support of some kind of hearing amplification. It it can also refer to um, hearing impairment in adults. Um, You know, mainly we we focus on it in terms of children, obviously in an education perspective, but we've kind of got these three terms, hearing impairment, hearing loss, deafness, um, that can be used in slightly different ways and slightly overlapping ways. So my best advice would be if you are supporting a child with some kind of hearing impairment, ask them and ask their family which term they prefer, which term do you use? How do you describe um, the, you know, the hearing difficulty that you face? Because then you're not going to offend anybody and you're going to use the language that everybody feels comfortable with. Thank you so much, Andy, for sharing that. So, Debbie, what might be the educational challenges for um, a learner with a hearing impairment? Okay, morning everybody. So educational barriers related to hearing impairments revolve around communication, as as you would imagine. A student with a hearing impairment may experience challenges, lots of challenges. And for example, some of the challenges might be the, the subjects of grammar, spelling, vocabulary, taking notes while listening to other teachers participating in classroom discussions, uh, watching educational videos, uh, presenting oral reports, that students are able to receive some sounds accurately. They often cannot articulate words clearly. So those are some of the indications. So if you see that in your in your classroom, then that might be an indication that you've got an undiagnosed uh, problem for one of your children. And we'll talk about what you can do in terms of supporting them. But look out for these signs. They're very helpful. And Andy, how and when should should we support come for such learners? Yeah, do you know, I think this is um, about 
asking the child um, what works for them, liaising with the SENCO, referring to any documentation such as one page profiles um, and making sure you're using the strategies that have been listed as being helpful for that child. But in general, um, you know, it, it's communication hurdles that are um, that are the difficulty and the earlier intervention we get in place with that, the better. So it can be both oral as in speech and lip reading um, the use of residual hearing or manual such as sign language um, that are used to teach children with a hearing impairment and voice and articulation training is often recommended to help students learn to form sounds that they can't hear. So it, it can be quite specialist as support that's needed. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's making sure that there's the inclusion and that they can access. Um, so it does actually need and require some kind of um, intervention to support them. So Debbie, what good practice have you seen in classrooms to support learners with hearing impairments? Well, I'm happy to report that I've seen lots and lots of good practice. I've, I've also seen some practice that might need, you know, a little bit of um, attention. But in terms of what I've seen, what could be really good for uh, our learners, very simple, almost common sense, but saying them out loud and actually working through your mind if you've used them is, is helpful. So providing a note taking can allow a student with a hearing impairment to concentrate fully on, on listening. Uh, to make listening easier, I've seen approaches used in traditional communication, lip reading, sign language and assistive technology. Um, reading lips means sitting closer to the teacher because obviously the, the closer they are, the better they can see what is coming out in terms of um, their the, the, the lip reading um, and how that will help them. And while those who use sign language uh, may also use an interpreter, turning on captions during videos can reiterate what a student may pick up from his or her amplifying device. And we see this um, at the theatre, for instance, where we have captions or a person who interprets using sign language. And I guess really just think about their barrier to learning and remove it by all the different methods that we've talked about um, and give, giving them time, being patient and being entirely inclusive um, that will that will set the stage for them feeling safe and able to engage in learning and, and feeling that you've provided what they need to to make progress. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think making sure that they feel safe is is uh, an incredibly important part of these conversations. Andy, does hearing impairment link to intelligence? I know that we talked about it last week when we discussed visual impairment and you shared a beautiful quote from Stevie Wonder, um, for, for example. Um, you know, it, is there sort of any link to um, impact on, on uh, hearing impaired students' capabilities at all? No, um, so it, it's a real common misconception um, that well, for most children with hearing impairments, language acquisition, language development can be significantly delayed. So there's then this misconception that because uh, a child hasn't got the same linguistic capabilities, that they have lower intelligence when actually the processing in their brain is, you know, potentially exactly the same as somebody else. They just can't necessarily verbalise it in the same way because of the loss of hearing. So it's very unfair to assume that a child's intelligence is low or their learning capability is low just because 
they've got a hearing impairment and, and we need to do all that we can to dispel that myth um you know and there's lots of very successful people in all kinds of sectors and industries um with hearing impairments that have overcome the difficulties and and achieved great things so uh, one example former u.s president bill clinton was somebody that kind of ignored his hearing loss for years didn't want to acknowledge it didn't want to deal with it um finally at the age of 51 um acknowledged he had an issue with hearing uh, now has hearing aids and and he's gone on post presidency to be a, a huge advocate for hearing aid technology and he actively supports that in the in the developing world the rollout of hearing aids so the, you know there's there's absolutely no reason to assume that just because somebody has hearing impairment that they um can't thrive academically so absolutely it's it's not seen as a barrier um, providing the school gets the, the right support in place. So what other practices in schools will help teachers and students then, Debbie? So <clears throat> every child, pardon me, every child who experiences learning loss should have an individual IEP. Andy talked about this uh, earlier uh, or an equivalent so that all professionals working with the young, the young person understand how best to support them. So never ever ignore that if you're a teacher you need to know uh, what the individual education plan says what the targets are all the tips that you can use to get the best out of the young people uh, and the students and because these um, documents will have been um, orchestrated by many different professionals who are having an input into it it's likely that you'll probably be given the best tips so you've got a starting point there so staff training also should be provided, ideally by a specialist teacher of the deaf, uh, which would be very beneficial. And depending on the nature and severity of the hearing loss, a specialist teacher may be assigned um, to that particular child uh, to come into school to provide one-to-one -one support, um, working on, let's say, for example, vocabulary, de uh, vocabulary development, uh, this is a particularly important uh, secondary school where there's a wide range of subject specific vocabulary. So some teachers may even identify that a child may have hearing difficulties. And I talked about that earlier when you can see the signs and you you may think to yourself, well, they've not got an, I, an, I, um, an IEP. What do I do here? Because I'm seeing these signs. And my advice would be to speak to the SENCO who can open up conversations with home in terms of the next steps um, and never, ever ignore it. You know, if, you're, if your professional spider senses are tingling and you're thinking this child has definitely experiencing issues with their hearing and I can see that and I can feel that in my classroom, then share that because some children might have been overlooked for years and years and years. And the faster that you can get the support, the more uh, in a position that children are to get the best out of their learning. Absolutely. So go with your gut instinct then, Debbie. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. Thank you both so much for um, sharing your thoughts and, and also um, your insights into uh, learners with uh, hearing impairment. We hope that this podcast has been helpful to you in respect of understanding and responding positively to their needs. And uh, we hope also that this podcast is equally as insightful we will be looking at ways in the future for our next podcast on support for students with autism, and we hope that you're able to join us in that session. 
You can pick up the Afterbell podcasts that are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational. And you can access this on your daily commute, on your treadmill as your focus for the day. Thank you so much for joining us and listening today. This has been After the Bell. Thank you, Debbie and Andy. Bye bye.